You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Albag versus Rabbeinu Yaina, Purim edition. And I guess I would call this Megillus Esther edition. You know, I, if somebody would have asked me what I thought the Ralbag's parish on the Megillah would be like, well, we know he is a uh, rationalist and we know he's inventive. Uh, we know that he's not someone who you would say is prone to mystical ideas, very, in fact, sort of like anti mysticism in a way. We also know the Ralbag is a maverick. Chazal, he can walk away from Chazal, um, even though he was lauded by the generations that came after him as someone who was knowledgeable in Chazal and supposedly a posik. Uh, we have chuvas from him, which we don't have from that other maverick, Eben Ezra. I would have predicted, yeah, you're going to find some stuff here that is sort of anti, anti-Chazal. Uh, perhaps, than the way we usually look at the Megillah. That's what I would have predicted. As usual, these predictions um, did not hold true. And we should always never assume that we understand another person completely or the way they're going to approach something, whether it's the Rambam or the Ramban or Rabag or Rabbeinu Yonah. They'll surprise you. Not completely, but they'll give you some surprise. Point uh, here. Let's talk about, let's go to the very introduction to the Megillah. So first he says, Yodanu, that this Megillah was written by Ruach HaKodesh. And that's the reason why, although it seems to be just a standard story of intrigue and what occurred, we know that's the reason why it's part of Ksuvim. Because Ksuvim means works that were written with the Holy Spirit. But why is it there? What's the purpose of the Megillah? So he says the purpose of the Megillah is twofold. There was an amazing miracle. He says, Because it's important for readers to know who live in a world where Purim is a reality, what was it that brought us to fulfill Purim? Well, that's pretty normal. Right? So here's the reason why we're doing this. The imze, but there's another reason. We have to see God, even though the Ralbag is the one of the persons who has the one of the most tenuous interpretations of how Hashkocha works talking about things that even God might not know or control. This story, however, is meant to show you how everything was showing Hashkocha, which is pretty much the standard take you always hear, how everything was put into place. Raubag ascribes to that right away. It's important to see how the Hashkocha worked, and that's part of this as, 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 a, as an exemplar of super Hashkocha on the Jewish people. I was, I'm a little surprised to read that, but again, you know, you know, it's it's almost undeniable. The Ralbag's sense of Ashkoch is weaker than others. He's not the Baal Shem Tov, that every little ant and leaf and everything is all, it had to be specifically this way. But the Megillah, at least, is a story of Ashkoch for Klal Yisrael. Maybe there's not Ashkoch in everything, but there is Ashkoch for us. And that's part of what the purpose of of, of knowing about the Megillah is. And that's point number one. Let me move on here. As And, 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 and the Rabag divides his commentary into two. One is the uh, explanations of the verses, and the other is uh, what he calls the toelis, the lessons that we learn from it. Here's um, something where it's sort of a combination of both. And we know what the Pusik says about um, uh, in the Megillah, right? The Pasuk writes, when it talks about uh, the drinking that occurs at Ahasuerus' Suda. So, um, we know that the drinking, it was important that, 
And let's just read the verses about how that drinking occurred. Vashkos bechlizov, bechelim mikelim shonim. Right? There was, everyone had gold, and it was different types of vessels, different types of cups. Now, what does that yein malchus mean? Like, 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 was kingly wine? Like, what does that mean? And also, why were there all different types of kelim? Right? The next pasuk continues, vashasia kedos, that the drinking was somehow measured, ain ones, there was nothing pressuring. Now, Rashi says what that means is, that Rashi says it means there's some suttas that you force people to drink a big cup and they don't want it. And over here, they didn't have to drink a big cup. Okay. Which is, okay, well, I mean, that's a weird, like what type of weird chug, like, you know, um, you know, uh, a sort of like a sorority initiation thing is it? Oh, we're going to make a drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, open up, chug, 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 chug. Oh, no, I don't want to. Why would you think that's what it is? So let's look at the Raubag says. Raubag says, yes, everyone got the best type of cup. But the cups were different. You know why they were different? Because think about it. Some are in the shape of, who knows, a, a horn of plenty. The other one is in the shape, perhaps, of one of the Persian heroes. And they all had different sorts of stones in it, different sorts of diamonds. Which shows you, and that shows you how wealthy he was, that the cups were all different, because each one was sort of like its own unique masterpiece. And what does that mean, Yein Malchus? Yein Malchus is the yayin that the king had. Normally, the king's stash is not going to be used. No, this is the king's stash. And everybody knew this was a better, the best type of wine. And there was so much of it. Now, what does it mean, Hashtia Kedos? It meant, basically, you drank the way you wanted to drink, like Rashi says. But what does it mean, Ein Ones? You weren't in a situation where something other externally was putting pressure on you. That's what Ein Ones means. Something was pressuring you that you couldn't really get what you wanted. Why? The way the servers were attentive to what you were like reading your body language you were able to get the wine when you wanted it immediately without any sort of hesitation of embarrassment. Because Hine Omar said, as we know, sometimes when you have a huge meal, and I was just at the Dirshu event where they were serving thousands of people, there's always be someone, you know, I, I can't get, oh, I can't get that type of chrein that I want. And you know what? I, 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 I'm going to call the guy over. You know, there's so many people here. I'm embarrassed. In other words, it'll turn out that I feel, you know, I can't get up and do that. Like, like there's so many people here. It's so, it's such as, a, you know, what, I'm, I'm going to ask for something. That's the ones. The onus is not that someone's chugging you. Ain onus is that you don't feel the usual community pressure, the usual, uh, I won't call it a community pressure, but the usual uh, sort of Social like pressure. Eti- etiquette pressure, pressure that, that, that you can't get what you want. But that never, that Rabbi didn't Kivale- happen. Rabbi Kivalevich, do yes. you mean that um, like the pressure would be, for example, when you go to an event and and the guy comes to the table, um, you're really not quite ready to have another drink, but you will be in a little bit, but you feel if you don't take it now, he may not be back for a while. Right, that's an example. That's a perfect example. Raubag, because that's the way- Ask a question. Go ahead, sure. So, so it seems like that it's pointing to a greater culpability on the part of the Jews that they didn't have to drink at all. And Ahasuerus was 
explicitly showing off his wealth as a like a thumb in the in the eye of Hashem, and they were complicit by drinking this wine out of these uh, ostent, uh, ostentatiously in your face uh, goblets. Okay, um, you're right, but it's interesting, Richard. Robad does not have such a. Um, even though he's sort of like standard in terms of let's see God's Ashkocha here, he isn't actually so preachy against what the Jews did at the Suda. He actually doesn't believe to blame them so much for that. In fact, he believes, from his perspective, Richard, the fact that the, you see, the Torah gives us all these details teaches us about how we could have good meals. Words, how do we plan our next, uh, you know, um, uh, let's say Raubag Rabbeinu Yona uh, spectacular we're going to make. Let's say we, when, you know, when all our thousands of listeners are going to get together for our big dinner, <laughs> our big dinner that we're going to have, our big podcast dinner. So this is going to we're going to we can use this as a blueprint. Like for example, for for the way Akashverosh did it, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Richard. But I think the Raubag's perspective is when you see these details, it's in order to extract some positive. Look what he says here. Midos. There's a, there's a, what, what can you get from this? When you're making a big meal, you're making a big banquet. Have it worked out in a way that nobody needs to call the waiter and raise his hand and have something. Why? We know people like Bob were saying are sort of embarrassed to like, you know, oh, can you call that guy back? No, don't call him back. He's busy with someone else. And this way, it's almost like, you know what? It's okay. Like, it's not really what I want. You know, I really want, I really want fish. You know, I want a veggie plate. I want the fruit cup. So it turns out that that it seems like it's positive, but you sort of feel uneasy that you had to, that you that you weren't able because you realize with the mass of people, you weren't able to get what you want. So in a way, that was the ones. But so, so that, you're, you're, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So that's why the Torah or the or the Megillah is telling you, aha, you see, there's a way to do it. You view that 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 nothing will stop you from getting the thing exactly the way you like it. In other words, everyone had enough water and they had the water to mix their drinks exactly the way they wanted to do it. So basically what, what, what Raul Bag is telling us is that we can take a lesson, Richard, from how Achashverosh accomplished it. And we could say, yeah, you know what? That's when we're making these big pseudos, these mishtot, that's, that's what you should be sensitive to uh that aspect and but, go ahead i i have a problem with the raw bog not appreciating that ahasuerus was using the kaleem from the base of migdash his <laughs> father his father and his grandfather had both been killed because they did the same thing and it was an explicit message the Mephorshim said that they knew that that was the reason that, that they were killed and that he's doing it explicitly and the raw bog would 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 then emulate this person who's who's doing such a thing I, yes, yes, yes. We would we would take a page out of his book where if we would want to plan something, we could even learn, even learn from them how to do something right, how to do your meal right. <laughs> You're right. Despite all the fact that he was Chazal paint him in the worst possible colors. And that you're right, you, and you should have a problem with Raul Bob, but or you should say he's a different type of thinker. You know, he's a reshown and respected, but this wasn't on his agenda. And he felt what he wanted to do was to say, you know what, look at the Megillah and get this positive thing from it. Okay. Um, here's another one. And this is going to sound somewhat misogynistic, but he feels it's very important. So let's take a look. Uh, Vashti made her meal as well right um she made her pseudo what is what do we get from that exactly 
He says, Lahoros, ki me esa melech niaze, kedeshu yevoshu anoshim milechum of neanoshim. Because women, especially in those days, were dainty, delicate creatures. Can you imagine if they would, like they, they used to say, I don't know, it's probably sexist in some way to say, but they used to say about how the girls would eat before their dates. So this way they don't, like, like when, they, when they're out, they don't appear to their you know, prospective suitor as if they are gluttons and they're eating too much. So they ate beforehand. So this way they can appear like they're just picking at their food like a little bird, right? That, so, so it was understandable that this was the wisdom that if the women are going to really enjoy themselves, put them separate because otherwise they're going to feel self-conscious the way they're eating. And that's why the, that was one of the reasons why you have women and men separate. Let's just say there, shiyu hanoshim levad vanoshim levad. Now, that's what he says as, 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 as one aspect. He furthers, he deepens it in his, uh, to, when he talks about his toeles of the toeles and, you know, what, what, what lessons were us. Sheroi bikibutsim, when you're making a, a large group, this is what the yeshiva, Shachsidish world, is worried about. Because remember, you know, you sort of like are at a meal, there's drinking, having a woman around is probably not a good idea. There's going to be even more, you know, innuendo and, and wrong things being said. Especially if there's wine that's being consumed. And especially then he says the other thing, and it's also less comfortable for them when the men are around because they're embarrassed by being seen by the men. So here he adds the idea of the Tznias idea that, that you were talking about. Um, now, I, 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 I have to be fair that, you know, that even though Vashti had good reason, according to the Raubag, for not coming to Ahasuerus's will uh, to show her body off, to show how beautiful she was. Kept her head. But still, he says we can learn something in Midos from the Vashti Ahasuerus story. Basically, women, they might not like what their husband wants, but they should be submissive. Why? And here, you know, you call Charlene, and I'm sure she's not going to be happy here. <laughs> because what were they meant for? <laughs> they, were, they were sort of created to sort of serve us. As I explained in Beratius. That's why we are told not just that Vashti died. We're told why she died. Why are we told why she died? Was a Sipra Mashakarla Vashti. Whatever, she didn't agree with it, but that's what happens to you. It's wrong to not submit. And everyone was shocked when, they, when that happened. That's supposed to reverberate to us saying, how dare she not uh, accommodate what her husband wants? Why do we? Why does the Megillah do that to underscore lispar same ha'inyan to tell us shezehu mechuyiv akavanoshim that of course women have to do that? Now, but even if, if it's, I mean, what Ashkenaz requested was seemed to be beyond the pale of what any decent person should ask. Right, or... right. Well, the, the Rabbah does not assume that she was supposed to parade naked, but she was supposed to just come in and show how beautiful she was. Yes, and she thought that was. She thought that was beneath her. Still, the, 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 there's a, a message that we're supposed to get that really she acted in a way that we might not kill our wives for that, but we should recognize that that is, um, that is what um, you know, the, the, he says. Again, I, am, I don't subscribe to this, but I'm giving you the Raubag's take on the Megillah. Um, now, and it was Malchus, right? It was an issue of Malchus, not just a regular husband, although it was extended, but the original issue was... Right, right. And again, there was obviously a power issue here as well. Um, okay. And, and a, 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 their, their lineage, Vashti was the, the, the daughter of kings and Ahasuerus was... Right, the Raubag, is, the Raubag is aware of that, but he actually makes a point, an interesting point here, as you're going to see, um, 
about that as well, despite what, what Vashti was saying. So he, when he describes Vashti's reluctance to come, he first gives us a little nice little shot. Who does Achashverosh send? The Sarisim, right? The seven Sarisim. So he says, Yedamesh and Hemayu Mesurosim. They probably were eunuchs. That's who you're going to send to the women. Not worried about them, right? Especially during a mishta, you're not going to send some, you know, some, you know, some, you know, cantankerous, hormone-filled boys. You're going to send these eunuchs to come. Now, and that could explain why Vashti didn't come. They said the king wants you to come. She should obviously they're not lying. But why? So Efsher, she She figures, who did you send here? These eunuchs? She felt, like you were saying, Richard, she was someone special. Who should she be sending? She, it should be people much more important than that. This is who you send to me? And from that, the Raubag is able to extract another, what he believes is a positive point that we could get out of this. And that is that, what's the Midos? In other words, Vashti should teach us a lesson about not standing on what we consider our dignity and pride. Because look, had Vashti swallowed her pride, she wouldn't have died. But basically, it was Gaiva. And therefore, we can learn from there how we shouldn't cut off our nose to spite our face, which might make us lose our head. So again, uh, no one is good here, Richard. Nobody's a tzaddik. But the story tells us, hmm, maybe we should not necessarily stand on what we think is our dignity as much. We should learn out from Vashti, something like that. Um, we know that... Does the Raubach acknowledge that... Chazal tell us, you know, they mentioned these seven that are very close to him. And we know the last one mentioned was Memuchan, right? And then it says, Vayomer Memuchan. So generally, we learn that Memuchan, there's a tradition that Memuchan is Haman. But Chazal, as Rashi quotes from the Gemara and Megillah, that you know, Hedyot Kofetz Barosh, right? That the, 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 the smallest one decided to speak up and say, oh, this is what should be done. Now, um, the Raubag has an interesting approach here. Not that all of a sudden, you know, Mamuchan spoke up when he shouldn't have. He says, Yudamit seems to me what makes sense. Shahoisa Haskamosam. They all agreed among themselves something the Sanhedrin agreed to, which was They probably agreed. That when these seven get together, how do they work? These seven superstar brains who know the best thing for the country and they know how Akashverosh's mind works. The the, the 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 one who is the youngest, least experienced, the one who has the least knowledge, should speak first. Why? This way, everyone will talk. Because if who's the only one that's going to speak is, let's say, the uh, the oldest. The same way it is in the Sanhedrin, that we start with the youngest members and then we hear what everyone has to say. The, the Raubag uses the same thing here. If the oldest one talks, they're not going to hear, they're not going to get the opinions from everyone else. They're not going to get that type of talk and conversation. diber 
I, so why do they accept it? Because they said, hey, that's a pretty good idea. There wasn't any, it, it closed the need to talk, but th- what we learn out from Mamuchan is not that, oh, look at this super idiot, this Haman jumping quickly. We actually see the Hanhaga of how advisors should advise, that we know there's going to be a hierarchy in a, in a cabinet. And therefore we should, re- and everyone recognizes their place and they give the option for the youngest or the least experienced to speak in order for all opinions to come at the table instead of starting with the one who has the most impressive resume. So this is what the, this is the way the Raubag explains why Mamuchan speaks up first. Uh, he, he develops this even further when he talks about his Toelison. I'm going to read that to you as well. If you're a king, if you're a president, do things with, with proper foresight. Even when you are super upset, even when the, emo, the emotional temperature is running high, there's a system that you still follow. I says, hello, Tira. Even though he was so upset, he said, look, I can't do anything unless I speak to the Yoatzim. Right? And, and, and who were they? He had a good cabinet. They were Dosvedin. They were Yodeyahitim. Based on the science and, and, and the attitudes of the time, he had a good cabinet because they knew exactly what principles needed to be followed. They also understood the astrological truths, which to them uh, were definitive. And therefore, he says, look what he says here, the Rabbag. This that Achashverosh had. We have the Kohen wearing the, the, the Urim Betumim, which also gave because we've got a direct line to God. But the point is that we actually can see Ahasuerus, even in his stupor and in his anger, the system was in place. And that shows you how important it is in ruler when you are a ruler, to have those type of uh, fallbacks and everyone in the right way. And this is, again, what he says, again, about the fact that we also have a, a system of how we speak that everyone, that we let the, the youngest speak first. And this, of course, is this is, um, right. And yeah, so this is where you see uh, Sahikin. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. We see that, um, that God obviously was behind things, even according to the Raubag. And Haggai really wants to sort of prime her to be the best candidate. And the Raubag says that. Because in Haggai's mind, she was the most beautiful. Now, um, and, and Haggai sets her up in a way, and he says, In fact, she was in a better place. She was actually, she had a better domicile than the others. And maybe she got put more at the head of the line than others that were taken before her. But then the Pusik says that more, but she stayed quietly because Mordechai told her not to say anything about who she was. Now, why did Mordechai tell her this? Why did Mordechai tell her, don't tell you who you are? So the Rabag says, Yidama, I think the reason is, Ki Mordechai shehi vashti. Mordechai actually said, you know what? This is a chance. She could be the queen. In fact, Mordechai thought that she would be the queen. And he was thinking, So even before you know, she goes to him, Mordechai actually, according to the Raubag, is planning that she will become the king's consort and the king's wife. Therefore, he commands her, Because if she says that she's the Jew, we know at that time, and this plays in a little bit to what you were saying, Richard, 
it wasn't considered significant to be part of the Jewish people. They were a beaten people. They were people that were considered low because they were so therefore what we want is that Esther should be in the best position. Okay. Once you see this Raubag, it's not surprising this other one. Because here the Raubag is very open. And it's this is the one that's somewhat shocking. The Raubag says we can learn something from Mordechai. What is that? In Midos. Sheroi lo'odam Shiyokel bignus muat. A person should be willing to take and accept a little negative thing. Because Asher Huderach Lahagiel Tolelis Maruba. You want to get, you know, it's pretty, yeah, it's not good. It's sort of ugly. But you know what the end game here is? The end game here is something that could be great. So you're right, being taken and being a consort and having this man sleep with you and demand you sleep with them, it's not, you wouldn't want a Jewish girl to have that, but you know what? There's something better that could happen. Mordechai was not trying to stop it, that she should be taken. You're right. It's not really what the Torah, a Torah upbringing would want. It's a tzas, right? Tzas, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's like eleven. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, we read the story. We read the Haftorah for Parsha Zachar of Shaul and how he thought he would, what he was doing was better than what. Um, Hashem told him, um, and and he uh, lost his kingship over it. Okay, <laughs> so so, it, it, so I I mean I'm just it it seems such I I mean maybe the Ravag doesn't accept that idea, but sure uh, he does. He, but he, but how, how can he say this? Wait, is he saying the ends? Is he saying the ends justify the means? Which is yes, he is. Concept. He is saying that I agree that living with this guy, becoming the wife of this guy, and having and and sleeping with him is not a great thing. But it's it's ktsas yitzia bidarke atora, right? But. He's thinking about the big picture. He doesn't know about Haman yet. But he says, having this woman in this place, behind the scenes, affecting, can do such great things in so many positive ways for the Jewish people. Not because she's going to save from the Xer of Haman. He doesn't know about that yet. But Mordechai figures, you know what? She's got that it. She's got something. My cousin, my niece, whatever she was to him. But she can do great things for Jews in so many ways. Uh, Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. Believes that it wasn't so much that we, 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 we fought tooth and nail and, and, and she was like a stone resisting. The Rabag doesn't say that. The Rabag says that you have to weigh things here. And, and, and the benefits are incredible. He says, don't say who you are, because if you say who you are, like we saw before, you might not get the queenship. Here's the point. Look, they came together. And you know what? Sex is going to happen. Let's have it. So you're anyway going to be, and, and what's going to be the options? Mordechai's thinking. Pelegesh or queen? Either way, it's bad. So you know what? She's going to either end up being the Pelegesh HaMelech, and that's going to, she's going to be in the harem. And it's better, he says, that she should be a queen than, that she, than she should be a Pelegesh. So, um, the Raubags was attacked. <laughs> he was attacked on this point 
by the, the Rabbi Yitzhak Armo'a's son, Rav Meir Armo'a, who lived um, close to the beginning of the 15th century. And I, I want to read you his attack on Rabag here. The Rabag tries to explain why Mordechai allowed it to happen. But he was not successful. He quotes the Rabag and then he says, He says, Raubag says that, that the amount of evil was small compared to the benefit of having our woman in the White House. He says, that's not true. He says, That's a type of arayos. Think about, and the proof is, look at Shechem. V'chaveiro Shechem ben Chamor. Look over there. What do we do? We didn't, right? Hakizona, Yasa, Hoseinu, look what they did. They, they, they waged war against them. They killed out the whole cities because of that. So how could Raubag say the idea of sleeping with this, with this guy was a small thing? So that that's not one of the three, is it? What is that would be one so, of the three? All right, so then we get into this other question about is when a woman, is this considered Gili Arayas for a woman totally and completely uh, when considering the fact that she's generally passive in the sexual act? But he's going to talk about it here now, the Rameir Armo. Vod Shane is Kashriyaga to love Shiyato Atzmo, Bavuro Asose. He says, he says, he, I'm going to say, Ki ain't sopak shaonas hagomer, bitvar mgunum poteris adamanonish. If you're forced to do something, even though what you did was considered arayos, you're not going to get punished. And we know that clearly. And the Pusik that, says, that's if you shout out or if you don't shout out. That's what we saw by the girl who didn't shout because she didn't think anybody could save her. That's what the Pusik says. Ain lenarachet mishpat maves. So you see that um, that an ones is potter by Rayus, because and that's by the Naramurasa. So anyway, the point is is that this is if you want to say Esther was an onus, that makes sense. That she was forced, she was complete, but that's why it says Vatilokach, that she was forced, but not with the Raubag. The Raubag does not say she was forced. The Raubag sort of figures that you can imply from the Raubag that she went willfully. And, and then Mordechai actually was, was okay with that. Now, I told you that this is how the Raubag was attacked. And maybe you agree with his attack, but when I did some research, I discovered that Raubag's not the only one from his uh, there, there's actually uh, another very important commentator, Reb David Kimchi, and I'm going to show you what he says. Oh yeah, he's a big one. If you look at Reb David Kimchi, the Radak, look what he says here. This is the Radak about Avraham and Sarah. Look what he says here. Vatikach shemashmo balkorcho. Why? Because she was an Aishas Ish. Lo ke Esther. Dechsiv bo vatilokach Esther. Rameir Armo says tilokach means she was forced. And you have to say she's an Anusa. But the Radak says no. Tilokach means she went. She agreed. She agreed to it. She maybe had to be talked into it, but she went. Vatikach Aisha means they grabbed her as an object. That's the way Sarai was taken. But, okay. but, but, but Esther Shemashma Birtsona. Why? Because she, according to Radak, was not married to Mordechai. She was free. Look what she says. Look at the Radak. And she went to become the one that the king would, in a sense, have Nisuan with. So Raubag's in pretty good company over here, right? Yeah, can I quick a point? Um, but yes. Sarah had Navua. Sarah had Navua. We can learn something from Avram going down to Mitzrayim, Amida. 
when something bad is going to happen. Try to zero in on which is the best of these both bad options. Which one has less bad? And whichever is less bad, and, and, and you know what? Oh, I can't do that because then you're not thinking clearly and logically. They're both bad options, but one is more bad than the other. Go with, and that one becomes good. The one that's less bad is inherently better. So you should actually go to the Ra that's less Ra Right from and, and not and so I got to run away from this other one. Look at Avram; he went down to Mitzrayim. It's terrible to be in this place of famine. He knew. In other words, Radak says, "Oh, Avram wasn't so sure. He didn't get how beautiful his wife was versus everyone else." Robag says, "No, Avram no. Avram knew he was an intelligent man. He knew." That that place where he was going to, and he knew that what would happen, it could happen, that his wife would be taken and would have to be involved sexually with these mitzrim. But that's not a chait. Whatever would happen, they're going to die in midst, they're going to die in Eretz Yisrael. What's going to happen there if Sarah is forced into it, even though it's Avram going there willingly that makes her into that forced position, it's going to be an ones. Even after the Torah would be given, she would still be allowed to her husband. Like the rabbis say about Esther, Esther Karka Olamhoisa. That Esther ultimately, even when she did, it's not that she was frigid and she was there like a stone. She had no choice. If Avram would have chosen famine, he might have died in the famine. And he would say, no, I can't go. I'd rather stay here and die than have my wife be subjected to those savages. The Rabag says, that's chasidus shoshtus. That's a chasidus of, of, of silliness. That's an ignoramus's chasidus. Like the Gemara says in Sota, he quotes the Gemara. Hechi dami chasid shota. There's a woman who's drowning and she's naked. And she says, oh, I'm skinny dipping, but she's dying. And then he says, I can't go in there. If I go in there, I'm just going to stare at her body. That's called a chosid shot. He's a murderer, that guy. So this is um, the Rao Bag's very strong argument against Ramban. But I, I believe... It, it's it's in it's of a piece of what he says about Esther. Although he mentions Esther being forced here, I think the point was is that Mordechai didn't go nuts to protect her. They were out for beautiful women, and Esther was beautiful, and they found her. But really, es- Esther wasn't grabbed, as the Radak says, right? And what happened later was Esther was Esther really could not say no. But you see from this attitude. I do believe you see a parallel. His commentary in Beratius and his commentary on the Megillah, I think, are of a similar piece. Mordechai and Avram make a choice, right? Mordechai's choice is, look, this is not great, but it could be something better, and this could maybe help the Jewish people. Avram makes the choice and says, we're not going to, at least we can live, 
so I, I think I, I think you'll agree with me that Ralbag is consistent in this sort of attitude. It's not what you, like I said, it's not maybe not what you would want him to say or, or expect a Godel or expect one of these great Rishonim to say, but I think he's consistent in terms of, and, 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 and it turns out, that of course, Esther being placed there was the Hatzalah for Klal Yisrael. That these are Am Echad. Now, Am Echad doesn't mean that that even though it says mafuzer mafurad, and most of us thought mafuzer mafurad means there's no achdus, Haman actually is stressing they have achdus. They actually are all the same. They are part of an international conspiracy. Shu, for that, and the fact that we're mafuzer mafurad doesn't mean that we don't like each other. It means that we've got agents everywhere. Why? Because since we've been, we're in so many places, we were in so many places, we can be sleeper agents everywhere and get and, and infiltrate everywhere in all these countries we are to be anti the king. Now, secondly, and he's going to have two interpretations on this, and it's worse that we have different types of rules, different types of laws govern us, which means what? We don't think like everyone else in terms of derech eretz and customs. Why? Because what we consider proper behavior is different. Our religion has, has demands of how we act, which is totally different than normal civilized people. Which means we could probably do things which 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 are, which are counter sedition, sedition against the country. Why? They don't have the same definition of ugly, negative, racist, counterhuman. Because our religion is so encompassing and different, it comes up with different definitions. And therefore, because of that, that makes them dangerous, Haman said. Plus, they is, don't. Is that, is that saying that the Jews have morality and, and the rest of the world goes by might is right? It's the opposite. He's he's the making opposite. the point. He's making the opposite point that they that don't talk. have a, 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 a humanistic morality. Their morality is governed by their religion, which therefore gives them a mindset which is totally foreign to what you consider normal good behavior. So it's human versus God centered. Right. So therefore, and they don't because they have all these exceptions when they keep their laws and not ours. So you have to treat them like they are rebels. Now, um, now he says that obviously um, they can be they can be dangerous and they can cause a great uh, problems to your country. But then he says another option here. Viadama. I think maybe I want to add something else to Ralbach says. Show Dio Homon. Not what I said before, that the all-encompassing nature of our Torah in terms of our Midos and Derech Eretz means that, like you say, it's a God-centered mentality which doesn't jive with their understanding. He meant specifically some aspect of their dos. You know what was unusual in their religion? Haman said, in their religion, there is a command to eliminate other nations. There's a genocidal command in their religion. And if you read their Bible, you'll see that they're, they're supposed to put to death those that don't submit to the commands of their religion. And how did Haman know this? From the fact that we are supposed to destroy Amalek, which was done through Shaul. So in other words, what was it that 
that sort of, you might say it was all phony, but it wasn't. Part of why, uh, sort of, sort of like a sort of like a like like, like a pat, sort of like a, um, a a loop. Part of the reason why Haman creates this canard is because it's built on Mechias Amalek. Because we have the mitzvah Mechias Amalek and killing out the seven Amamim, Haman is actually believes in some part of himself that that's why we need to get rid of them, and that's what he actually emphasizes to Achashverosh. So a lie has to have a kernel of truth, but it, does he believe but, it or is it just rhetorical or sophist? I think it sounds from the Raubag that, that look what he says, Gam Haman. Haman believes this part. This, this part earlier was just a, a total uh, misrepresentation of the facts, right? Because we know we gave morality to the world, right? Right. We're the ones who provided morality. It's our Torah that has it. Their, their religions were the ones that were the most um, and demonic. It, and, and it's ugly. not our morality. It's we're deferring to Hashem's morality. God's right. So it's through yeah. us. We are the vehicle of that ultimate morality, which we know took over the world. So Haman was up until now, you know, Haman is this is a lie here. You're talking about we know what's in their religion and their religion is they're supposed to be that they are supposed to destroy people. They're supposed to kill people. And therefore, Achashverosh agreed. In other words, this second interpretation explains why Achashverosh should agree to something so monstrous. Because the lie was, look in their Torah, it says, It says, That's what got Achashverosh to agree to do this. Why else should you agree to destroy a whole bunch of people for no reason? And that's why he gives him the tabas, because Haman makes that point based on the mitzvah mechias hamolek and the killing of the shiva amimim. Well, I, I, how can he, Rabbi Kivalevich? How can he disregard that they? Roy l'kol adam liyistadel b'shalom hamelech shutachtav. A person should do whatever he can, whoever the king is, to be a good citizen for him. Even though he's not one of you. And even though you and him come from different countries and different religions. Because being a good citizen helps the country. And you never know. (laughs) By being a good citizen, you might get some benefit from that as well. And that's why, of course, Mordechai, as soon as he knows what's going on with Big Son and Teresh, as soon as he knows... He does whatever he can to protect the king. And of course, Mordechai's good citizenship ends up paying incredible dividends. He also says, right after that, Lehodia, She'ein Roy, La'asos, Adam, Dover, Kenegad Amalchus. Don't ever try to go against the laws of the country. Why? The king will find out. In, 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 whatever, the crime will pay. <laughs> crime does not pay. You'll eventually be found out. As you see what happened to Big Samadarish. So he is here talking about good citizenship, what we have to learn. And from Mordechai, he then says the following. Mordechai had a very good reason not to bow down, Bob, to Haman. Why? Because Mordechai knew that there was Avodah Zorah involved here. Because you mentioned, Bob, that he elevates Haman. The Raubag takes the Pusik in Daniel, where Daniel gets the name Baal Shatzar, which is a proof that when someone becomes close to the king, the king deifies him. And Mordechai knew that it was against the Torah for him to do that. Now, he knew that this would be a sakana for him, but Mordechai knew not to do that. But at the very next statement, look what the Raubag writes. Ein roi Adam lenatos mitzvos hamelach. But if the king tells you to do something, do not try to get out of it. 
unless it's because you have to keep the word of God. Whatever country you're in, don't, of course, you can't just say, I'm going to do everything. You have to realize God's commands are primal because he is the king of kings. Because we see the, the, the Megillah tells us the words of Achashverosh's Avodim that said, why are you going against the mitzvah of the king? So you see that that is a point that you need to be submissive. You need to be a good citizen. A direct command is something you should never violate, no matter who the king is. So his, he had an answer. I'm a Jew, and I have a law that I can't do it. But you see, if it wouldn't be for the fact that we know so much about our religion and how primal it is not to bow to a foreign god, we realize that these type of answers are not answers. Mordechai is the exception that proves the rule. So really, you know, the Raubag, you know, writing to his readers is really trying to use the Megillah to come up with a lot of positives from this very, what we consider a very negative atmosphere, whether it's Akashverosh's Suda, or it's really what's going on and the type of conversations that are happening in the king's palace. He actually says we, we, we should see from there the positives of good citizenship, of really submitting to the will of whoever the ruler is. And the exception, as I said, proves the rule. So that is, as I said, some, uh, what did we say, what it was? Some I ask you about in what, what it seems to me, a contradiction in the Rabbach. On the one hand, he says you're supposed to follow what the king says unless it's against a Jewish law. So therefore, Mordecai could not bow down to him. I understand right, that. Because it was, it, was against, the it, was, time, it was against the cardinal Jewish law about the vote well, so, so is Eloy Arayos against the Jewish yeah, law. Yeah, I know you were going there. But and so, so but on the one hand, Mordecai says it's okay for Esther to be, to be the king's consort. Because it, it, maybe something good could come out of that, but maybe something good could come out of bowing to him. I mean, it, it's it, it's very hard. Once you go down that path, it's a slippery slope. Right. And, and, and we saw the Rabag understood that the situation was ones no matter what. In other words, the the Rabag is not denying there was definitely a search. They knew Esther was beautiful, right? What the Rabag is different than others is that she didn't go kicking and screaming. Um, Mordechai didn't necessarily hide her. Uh, Mordechai wasn't like, 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 like grumbling over, oh, this is the most terrible thing that she's going to be left to... Right. That, that's really all the Raubag is, 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 is really impressing upon us. Um, and um, I would say, Bob, maybe this is more historically accurate, is that, that, that Avodah Zara was considered in his mind the worst, even worse than... than you know, a, a woman submitting to this non-Jew. Um, you know, I think now, because remember, he's a he's a mama, he's a Maimonidean, and to him, Avodah Zara is really like this primal, um, you know, thing that needs to be uprooted. And uh, you are correct from where we're looking at it. Okay, bow down to the guy, right? What's so bad, right? That's the way you right. But yet, for people who are completely into this anti-Avodazara mindset, there can't, you can't budge an inch because, right? Because that's the slippery slope you don't want to get into, right? There's only got to be one God. God doesn't work through intermediaries and there's no, right? right? So you're right, Bob. It, it sounds somewhat like, like, like here's Mordechai is so, sort of hypocritical, according to the Raubag. But I think from the Raubag's own way of looking at things, Avodazara is like primal. And, uh, and 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 therefore um, he you know he he, he sort of uh, knows that he can't he can't do anything except um, you know uh, not submit. But your point is definitely very well taken. Anyway, I, like I said, I, I I am not here for you to now learn Ralbag and love Ralbag. I'm here just to present Ralbag. You know what I'm saying? I feel to, to take a line from Shakespeare, right? I am here just to basically, you know, I'm not here to bury him. I'm here to basically to present him 
And I think that's what we, that's, we get, we, we learn about ourselves and we learn about others and we, we allow them to, to, to get that type of stage that we're trying to give him. Okay. He should be a Mayweather Yosha for us. Have a great Purim, everybody. Purim, everyone. Okay. Okay. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 